Support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully, so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com/fool. It's Monday, June 18th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Matt Greer, and joining me in studio, we have Motley Fool analyst Taylor Muckerman and Jason Moser. Gentlemen, welcome. Hey now. How you doing? How you feeling? Pretty good today. How about you? I'm good. Yeah. I'm good. Well rested. Shaved. I'm well rested. <laughs> I'm, I'm shaved. Sort you know, of. Sort of. <laughs> sort of shaved. This is like the three days. <laughs> Don Johnson. You know, the, the beard. I kind of decided I was living a lie. Well, it's tough in the summertime. I felt yeah. like I I like the beard. It's okay in the winter, but when the summer hits, it's kind of difficult. It just it gets hot up here, man. Yeah, I think it took a couple of rounds of golf with a beard in the summer, and I was like, "Nah, this ain't working." Yeah, no, it wasn't helping me. Yeah. You know, and you know, I need help. So sure, but you can save the beer for a couple extra holes with the mustache. That's a very good point. Oh, okay, well, there you go. That's a very good point. Okay, well, guys, we've got lots to talk about: Google, China, Apple, Oprah. And of course, Perry Ellis. It's a hell of a list. Heavy hitters. Have you interested? Heavy hitters. Just a few of the things you're going to hear about quite on today's the, quite show. The lead. But let's start with Incredibles 2, the Disney Pixar film, bringing in $180 million in its opening weekend this weekend. Saw the movie, loved the movie. So, no surprise there, Jason, that it's setting all sorts of records. This was the best debut ever for an animated film. What may be a bit surprising is shares of Disney down a bit at the market open on Monday. What's going on here? Yeah, well, definitely the shares of Disney are not down on The Incredibles', Incredibles performance. Uh, clearly, that was a, a bright spot on the weekend. And just as, as concerned as the headlines were with Solo's performance, or lack thereof, The Incredibles come in and save the day. And I think this is really just a testament to uh, why we like Disney so much as an investment, because they have the ability to change that conversation so quickly, and they make their money so many different ways. Uh, It's just a a media behemoth. And and so, I haven't seen The Incredibles yet. Looking forward to going and checking it out at some point. But, you know, when we look at studio entertainment, it's worth remembering this is not the majority of the business. Over the last 12 months, studio entertainment has been responsible for about 15% of revenue, about 17% of operating profit. So, they don't live and die by any one of these films. But really, at the end of the year, it's the collective, right? It's looking at their track record of, of success over one year, five years, 10 years. When you look at all of these top performing films of all time, Disney holds about half of them. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I think that's just something you have to remember when we talk about Disney as, a, as a, an investment. You know, we're looking looking at it from that perspective as well. So, how much of this, in terms of the stock then, how much of this do you think is the uncertainty over the 21st century Fox courtship? I think that's the big concern today, is this Fox courtship. I think you have people who fall on, on both sides of the coin. Some who feel like this is a great opportunity that they, they don't want to miss, and some people who feel like maybe Disney's getting getting forced to bid this thing up a little bit, and it might not be worth it at the end of the day. I don't mind if they pursue this deal, because I think if you can look at it through the longer-term lens, it makes a little bit more sense. This gives them the opportunity to sort of smooth out, perhaps, some of that lumpiness in the content side, the studio entertainment side of the business. If Comcast ends up getting this deal, then all of a sudden, you're looking at a controller of the pipes with a lot more of that content IP. It makes them certainly a much more uh, formidable competitor for many years to come. 
So I, I can see why Disney's pursuing this. They have the means to get it done. I think Iger really wants to get it done. And guys, let's move on to Google. Google is investing $550 million in JD.com, China's second largest e-commerce company behind Alibaba. Um, Google and JD.com will join forces to sell good lo- goods online across Southeast Asia, the U.S., and Europe, mm-hmm. competing with these petite little companies, Amazon and Alibaba. Taylor, yeah, what do you think about the deal? Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's an interesting take here um, from Google. Finally, kind of getting some access into China. They've been rebuffed for years uh, trying to get into that market from the search engine side. So, a little interesting to see them partner with JD.com, a company that uh, online retail, but uh, as opposed to Amazon or uh, Alibaba, they hold physically hold a lot of the inventory. Um, that they sell. So, a little bit of a different story there, but logistics uh, is their bread and butter. Own over 500 warehouses around China, um, north, south, east, west. They can get a package to pretty much anywhere in the country in a day, they say, as long as you order by 11 a.m. So, impressive feat for a, a country that big and a company that's still fairly new, um, I think a little over a decade old. And so, when you look at this company, Margins are very thin, but uh, with an investment from a company like Google, you could see AI and technology taking a much bigger place here with this company. Even though you know they've got a warehouse that they that they tout they just built, can order can supply about two hundred thousand orders a day with only four employees because there's so many robots uh, operating within. And so um, I think the technological advantages that Google can bring could really maybe drive this company over the top. So when you look at this deal as a potential investor, are you more excited about the potential in China mm. for Google and JD, or are you more excited about the potential? In the rest of the world, and for Google and JD.com to take it to Amazon here in the U.S. Yeah, I don't know if it's going to really be able to take it to Amazon in the U.S. <laughs> Maybe they get a head start in Europe. Uh, Amazon does have a presence there, um, not nearly as as robust as it is in the United States. So maybe there's a, a playground that JD can mix it up with Google and, and Amazon. But I think China and Southeast Asia writ large is is the uh, the big story here. Just such huge population centers when you talk about uh, China and neighboring countries, and maybe if they can get involved in India at all there. So um, I really think that that's the story here for Google and then JD.com as well. Yeah, I think this really does address probably what is JD.com's biggest challenge right now and just the costs involved with growing this business mm-hmm. out. And so it's it's a point worth noting that Google's investment here, this results actually in JD.com getting this money, right? It's not like Google's just going on the open market and investing in the company, buying shares in JD.com. JD.com is issuing new shares. Mm-hmm. They're getting this money from Google, so it's going to be that partnership there. And then, when you think about the other partnerships that JD.com has forged to this point, whether it be with Tencent or another little player in the space we know, Walmart, it just <laughs> it's becoming very clear that that's the strategy to take on something like an Amazon that has made so much of that investment up front early on in the game. I mean, all of this stuff that Jeff Bezos did years ago, now it's starting to make a lot of sense. And I think that's why the stock has done so well, is because it's becoming very clear uh, the direction and the opportunity that, that e-commerce presents. So for JD.com, this is yet another opportunity for them to be able to grow that business out at a reasonable cost and partnering with a company there in Google that can really help on that distribution side, the advertising. There are a lot of a lot of tech prowess there that I think JD.com will benefit from. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, speaking of partnering, Apple and Oprah getting hitched. <laughs> that is a high power partnership. Oprah Winfrey signing a multi-year content partnership deal with Apple. Now, 
Guys, we don't know a lot about the details. We do know that Oprah Winfrey will be creating original programming for Apple. And, you know, she has a pretty good track record. Yeah. Decent. Yeah, I mean, she's, <laughs> she has a good track record. I mean, I think the Oprah Winfrey, Oprah Winfrey network at this point is still kind of like a... Eh, it's got some good and some bad, I guess. I think this is a neat headline for right now. I think that's probably about it. There's no real downside for Apple doing something like this. Certainly no downside for Oprah. I don't think you're affiliating yourself with a brand like Apple. Yeah, it's, it's not obviously, exclusive. So. Yeah, and and so I think it's it's sensible from that perspective to give it a try. I'm not... I'm not convinced on how much upside actually exists here. I feel like Apple video streaming is about it's playing out about like Siri at this point. And what I mean by that is I I know they're doing it, right? <laughs> I know they're trying it, but I, I'm not convinced that they're fully bought in. So you're not a Siri fan. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not a Siri fan at all. <laughs> I mean, I think a lot of people are not Siri fans, and I, and I think when you see what Google and what Amazon have done with their voice assistants, it's just like they flew right past Apple mm-hmm. and have just not looked back. So to me, there's still plenty for Apple to prove on that content side. They have like a billion dollars that they're spending freely on this stuff, and that sounds like a lot until you compare it to what Amazon and Netflix spend on an annual basis, or the cash that Apple has on its balance sheet. Yeah, exactly. So I mean, Amazon is spending somewhere in the neighborhood of five billion dollars this year. Netflix is going to be like seven or eight billion. It just takes a lot to build that out. So I appreciate that Apple's giving it a shot. I don't know what the end game is here, though. I don't know what the purpose is. How are people going to get it? Is this stuff that I'm just going to be streaming on my iPhone for free because yeah. I have an iPhone, or do I have to pay for it? I can tell you, I'm not going to pay for Oprah Winfrey content. Now, with that said, I do want to let you know that back in the day, you know, I used to live in Egypt yeah. uh, for three years. We, we were over there in the early 2000s. Oprah has a pretty phenomenal global brand, and I, I this my eyes were open to this when we were in Egypt. Particularly among the male population there, I was just really surprised to see how popular she was and is with with men and women over there. So it's not to be dismissed. I think she has a very powerful global brand. Again, I don't think there's any downside for Apple doing this. I'm just not convinced of the real upside. It's not going to be a Weight Watchers 2.0. Right. It's not a needle mover, <laughs> yeah. I don't think. And explain that reference, because when Oprah made an investment at Weight Watchers... Yeah, I think it was like October 2015. And how'd the stock do after that? It's up uh, 13x, maybe closer to 14x. <laughs> well, you know what? This is probably a great opportunity for them to sell a bunch of Apple Watches. Sure, yeah. I was thinking, given her, oh, that's her identification on the Weight Watchers side of things, and perhaps... The fitness side of things and pushing our audience to, to, to be focused on on that type of thing. I, I, there probably is a great opportunity to either sell a bunch of Apple Watches or if Apple's pursuing some kind of other fitness device mm-hmm. uh, for a lower price point there. Uh, there certainly is a, an affiliation there that I think could work. Well, guys, before we um, tackle our last story, I want to mention again that support for Market Foolery comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Guys, you're confident, aren't you? Extremely. Yeah, yeah, good, good. Well, well, Rocket Mortgage will give you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple. Jason. Mortgage process that's simple. Have you, have you heard of such a thing? Oxymoron. It's unheard of. <laughs> well, Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to RocketMortgage.com/fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states. NMLS ConsumerAccess.org number 3030. And guys, let's talk about 
Perry Ellis. That's a sentence I never thought I would utter. <laughs> is I, it just me, or when you say Perry Ellis, the immediate image that comes to mind is Perry the Platypus, of course, from oh, Phineas and Ferb. I mean, so I can't hear Perry without Perry the Platypus, there you right? Go. Yeah, I love Perry the Platypus. <laughs> That's a new logo design. For better That's or for worse. I, I think I may have had a Perry Ellis tie at one point. I'm not sure. They made ties, right? Chances Probably. are good. Yeah, I think yeah. they make a little bit of everything. That was that was back when I didn't get everything at Costco. So, <laughs> Well, the, the reason we're mentioning Perry Ellis is Perry Ellis is going private in a $437 million deal with its founder. Um, founder George Feldenkrais has been pushing for the company to be sold. And now, Jason, he's going to take the company private shares of Perry Ellis down today on the news. Well, I think they're just down to where the deal is essentially going to be consummated, hopefully. But I think this is the opportunity for the founder of the company to pull the old George Costanza and just uh, leave on a high note. There you go. And I think that really is what this all boils down to. It was, it was, I think, noteworthy to to see some of his comments regarding the board of directors. He appears to have no confidence in the board and in the direction that they're trying to take the company. Um, it's his son is the actual CEO of the business today. Both father and son sit on the board, so I'm assuming that the other folks on the board are, are, are where they're sort of lacking in the confidence there. But I, I do think it's a business that it's in a bit of a tough stretch. I mean, we know about retail in general, the challenges. Uh, Perry Ellis has a lot of different brands underneath their umbrella there, some golf-related. Uh, so, I think there is a market there for them, but it's not ever going to be a company that really lights the world on fire. When you're a retailer like this, I think it's a lot easier to go ahead and operate under the private uh, lens versus the public. And chances are, you're going to see them probably loaded up with a lot of debt and then try to spin it back off public at some point down the road, perhaps when the founder is is uh, not as as central to the business as he is today. But um, yeah, probably the best outcome for shareholders right now. Okay, so Perry Ellis aside, how about one public company that each of you would like to see go private? Or you think, you know, maybe they need to kind of consider going private? Well, Nordstrom's tried to go private. The family tried to buy the remaining shares earlier this year, I think around February. Uh, Not successful. They couldn't raise the financing. But a luxury retail brand that has been struggling right along with most retailers. And um, I think that a brand like that could do well private, just because it does it does have much higher cachet than than pretty much every other retailer out there, and it's it's not unsuccessful. I think it just got caught up in the broad sell off in retail retail stores, and maybe they can concentrate on things that the market doesn't appreciate. Yeah, this may be this may rub some listeners the wrong way. I I really like to see Tesla go private. <laughs> I mean, I, I wow. And the reason why I say that I is I think we buried our lead here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, so I I I think I've been very uh, clear all throughout this this show. I mean, I I am very much a big fan of what Elon Musk is doing. Like I believe in electronic vehicles or electric vehicles. I believe in in alternative energy. I think I like everything that he's doing. I think the problem with it is, I mean, it just requires a lot of money, right? Mm-hmm. It, for what he wants to do, those aspirations just require a lot of capital. And so, he is somewhat beholden to the public markets to do that. And he has to constantly sort of spin this positive message, right? He's always got to be pushing the company and the things that he's doing. And whenever there's a negative press cycle coming out, he has to figure out a way how to counter that. Attacking the shorts. Yeah. And I just, I'd love to be able to see him have the opportunity to operate without that issue sort of overhanging 
him. I think that's something. I think that's a burden he has to kind of deal with. Uh, I'd love to see what he could do without having to deal with that burden. I mean, it's it's not because I think it's a bad public company mm-hmm. or anything. I just I think he could do a lot more probably without having that public scrutiny necessarily all day long every day. Now, with that said. Perhaps it makes his Twitter feed a less uh, less entertaining one to follow. I don't know. I mean, I do I do enjoy a good must tweet every now and then. <laughs> so does all of the mainstream media. <laughs> yeah. Latch on to anything they yeah. can with that company. Okay, guys. Well, let's wrap up with my favorite, incredibly arbitrary, ridiculous, I would never invest this way. Question, you're on a desert island, and you've got to hold one of these stocks for the next five years. Disney, Alphabet, parent company of Google, JD.com, or Apple. We're going to leave Perry Ellis out of this because they're private. They're they're going to be private. I'd go JD.com. I think I think there's a lot of exciting upside there. I think that the partnerships that they've forged to this point more or less validate uh, the business itself, and I think the opportunity uh, from a global perspective is just too attractive to pass up. Yeah, I would have to narrow it down to Alphabet or, or JD and uh, recently bought shares of JD about two three months ago. So I guess I'll go with that one. Wow, wow! There you go. A you bit of an upset. Putting yeah. your money where your mouth is. <laughs> right. yeah, I don't own shares of JD. Yeah. Maybe I should. <laughs> well, Taylor, Jason, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Cheers. As always, people on the show may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's it for this edition of Market Fooling. The show is mixed by Austin Morgan. I'm Matt Greer. Thanks for listening, and we will see you tomorrow.